everybody, and welcome to the Sex Actually podcast. It is your boy Dave Neal. How are you today? Doing all right? Uh, you can tell already this is a solo episode. You know, it's just me, you, in the car ride we're on. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you're uh, on a hike, getting dusty. Who knows what you're up to? It's going to be. Uh, I'm videotaping this episode, so I've got. Uh, if in case you're wondering why I'm referencing the camera, I've got my Harry Potter mug here. Actually, it's Tasha's. Solo episodes, you have to forgive me for taking sips of coffee. You know your boy Dave doesn't like a moment of silence. Tasha can agree to that. Uh, there's a couple of new people out there. There always are. There's always a new hundred or so of you that tune in for the first time, so I'd like to introduce myself. My name's Dave Neal. I am the host with the most insecurities, uh, social anxiety, and um, self-doubt. So here we are. Stand-up comedian, which uh, the benefit of that is I've beat all the shame out of myself, so I'm super honest and open about my life, and I hope you guys can enjoy the process to discovery. What are we discovering? I don't know. Today I wanted to talk about conquering social anxiety. Now, I've, uh, I've, I've, I see it as a video game. There's different stages, right? There's like, all right, going to first grade, first day of class, and then there's, okay, I've got to give a big speech, and then there's one, you know, my best man speech, and there's one thing after another that causes social anxiety. Well, how do we get the cheat codes to life to understand that nobody gives a fuck about us? And that's a beautiful place to live, being detached from the outcome and knowing that no, everyone's worried about themselves. No one cares if you got Velcro shoes on, Dave, because your mom couldn't afford the name brand shoes and your Adidas had four stripes in sixth grade and there's no tread on them. So you kept sliding around in dodgeball class. Nobody else cared. Your mom did the best she could. Uh, it's <laughs> Conquering social anxiety uh, is it goes hand in hand with dating because... There's a lot of anxiety involved with putting yourself out there, meeting new people. And I'm going to read some questions that people have asked, but I'm also going to share some personal experiences on the matter. Um, you know, a lot of times we don't, you know, to put it this way, I didn't lose my virginity till alcohol was introduced to the situation, a little liquid lubrication, if you will, uh, just because we're so weird. We're, we're brought up so weird. It took me years to learn how to introduce myself to others. Actually, I remember my friend Caitlin Pianowski, I shouldn't have said her name, whatever. She changed her last name. She's married. I remember in, I remember my freshman year of college meeting Caitlin and she was so outgoing. We became really good friends. For, of course, I fell in love with her. Every guy fell in love with her. She was beautiful. But we became such good friends. Um, Dave was in the friend zone. And the reason was, is she was willing to walk up to strangers and introduce herself. She had a smile that could light up her room. And these are all techniques that she learned probably organically, usually through having like a, a charming set of parents. You know what I mean? Like you just learn to be engaging, gregarious out there. And then something happens over time where we shell off and we wall up and we become these kind of hermits. I feel like the older we get, the more set in our ways we become. And we have to reintroduce the idea that smiling to somebody and saying hi is never a bad thing. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not endorsing catcalling, but like, if you're out at the bar, if you're in a social situation, uh, I'm not, don't go hit on someone at the produce, uh, produce aisle. I mean, if they're looking at you and you're looking at them and they smile back, and maybe you can, you know, comment on the lumpiness of the avocados or whatever you have you, but I'm just telling you, you got to know your situation. You know what I mean? A lot of people write in and they go, well, I thought I had the chance to uh, talk to a girl on the train. And I'm like, look, did she have her headphones in? Yeah. 
Okay, did she look at you? Yeah. Did she take her headphones off? No. Then leave her the fuck alone. But if she looked at you and maybe like took a headphone off, hey, maybe that's a sign. Right, ladies? Write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Is that a good sign for a guy to hit on you if you take one of your he- your pieces off on your headphones and you're like, hello? I don't know. Social anxiety. Every guy has it. Maybe women have it too. I'm sure they do. I know my girlfriend has anxiety in different situations. It's like every time there's a new job out there, you know, I feel like sometimes she has misdirected energy, uh, you know, because she's uh, going to that first day of school. You know, every time I have a stand-up show at a new comedy club, I'm always a little anxious. I don't know the right route to get onto the stage. I don't know the name of the waiter. There's just little, I don't know uh, if the sound system's going to work the way I want it to. There's just little things that we don't have control over, and we want control. As humans, we want control. Speaking of control... um, Tasha wants us to dress up as a couple of glow wrestlers. That's gorgeous ladies of wrestling wrestlers from the Netflix show Glow. And um, she didn't even tell me for ho- this is for the Halloween episode. If you're listening to this later on in life, and you're like, why would you get to dress up as wrestlers? She wanted us to dress up as, and she and she didn't even tell me like, hey Dave, I think we should dress up as glow wrestlers she just told me uh i can't find a leotard in your size and i was like why are you looking for leotards in my size i um no pro i have no problem with the size of my um male genitalia but i also don't want leotard ball uh grabbage happening at a social setting i was like that's the shit that you do when you're single when you're like in college or early 20s and you're single as a you dress up as gay as possible for Halloween as a guy. That's just what you do. I remember in my early, my um, mid twenties, I dressed up as um, Richard Simmons. Uh, you know the uh, the workout guru who had the uh, you know I got, I got the uh, vote for Pedro. I got the um, what the fuck's the name of that movie? What's the vote for Pedro movie? Oh jeez, I can't remember it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I had the jeez, uh, why can't I think? Of, oh, I gotta look for the I gotta look for the movie now. Because I know you, I know you, I know people are going to be screaming like that. You don't know the name of the vote for Pedro. What's the name of the movie? You guys are going to be killing me for not knowing this. You probably lost all of you. Napoleon Dynamite, of course. So I was, I went. So I got the Napoleon Dynamite wig, but I didn't want to be Napoleon Dynamite. I wanted to be Richard Simmons. So I got the Napoleon Dynamite wig, the red wig, and then I got this. I got my buddy's uh, super short uh, track shorts, the ones where your balls like are slipping out, and um, a tank top, and I got a little um. I get a little arm runner patch thing where you put your cell phone in the iPod iPod holder and I put some credit cards in there, my cell phone. And I just went out in New York city for New year for, uh, for Halloween New Year's. That'd be a weird New Year's for Halloween. And, uh, and I ended up making out with some girl at the bar and she wasn't even dressed in a Halloween costume. Cause it was like, you know, October 29th or whatever. So some people were dressed for Halloween and some weren't. So she wasn't even dressed up, but, but I got a girl to make out with me and, um, we ended up dating for, you know, a short while after that and it was all because of my Richard Simmons outfit but that's what you do when you're single you can actually dress up in a stupid funny way as a guy women dress sexy you know slutty handmaids this and that men dress up to look like fucking idiots but what you're actually doing is you're kind of uh, letting go from the social norms and I think Halloween's a good time to do that and you get a chance to like be goofy and be yourself and women see that and of course I, I'm using like heterosexual terms like men women but you know put it into whatever gender or relationship type that you have uh but other 
they they like to see that you're willing to just go don't give a fuck and on halloween you're able to not give a fuck but how do you transition that to just normal life when you go out and not giving a fuck and that's like getting rid of that social anxiety and it really all comes down to detachful being detached the detachfulness the mindful detachfulness mindful detachfulness mindless detachment Jesus Christ, who would ever listen to me? I can't even, maybe I'm dyslexic, folks. Being mindfully detached. And I guess what that means is you're not just detached from the outcome, you're deciding to be detached from the outcome. And that's kind of what we're going to touch on today. And of course, not a psychologist, folks. You know that. Just your homeboy decided that this is what I'm working on, and I think you might need to as well. There isn't one of us out there that can't, work on being more detached it is the um the absolute uh resource it's the tool that we need to shed the fucking pain we feel from social media from seeing other people's highlight reel and that new couple's home that they have because we're not there yet and one thing after in the podcast that's got more downloads than ours subscribe rate review share with your friends on social media it's there's always going to be somebody that's doing something better and it is important to be detached from our own outcome so we don't compare ourselves to others do you understand well how do we get detached from the outcome when we're so busy being on our phones you know what's crazy is like the iphone has that new um new tool that it shows you how much time you're spending on on certain apps and it it is staggering it's no bueno and the real person suffering is the one that doesn't understand that social media is causing them so much pain and i know what you're thinking you might not be in a situation i'm in where you're not on that much and it's really not that big of a deal but if it even affects you five ten percent isn't that five or ten percent too much and i'm not this isn't like a big um Fuck you, Facebook. Like, delete your apps. This isn't one of those things. For me, my addiction, I had, I got rid of Facebook. Now, I still use it, but I deleted the app. The app was too friendly, too many push notifications. It just wanted me to not stop scrolling. I, I'm literally sleeping at night, and my thumb's just scrolling because I, it, it is our brains, our muscle memory, it is so crazy how quickly we can form these addictions. So I deleted it. Now, I can still go on facebook.com on my cell phone. It's a pain in the ass to do that. I can still scroll a few minutes, but it's not nearly as bad as with the app. So I got rid of it. And you know, that helps. And I have to remind myself that Instagram, I don't need to be on it. Like, I'll, you know, I'll still I'll still go on it, obviously do my thing, but that's the, that's the point. Like, you know, if you're not a full-blown alcoholic, you should be able to have a beer. You should be able to go out and socialize. You just know your limits so you don't you know, cross too far. And with social media, our generation, 2018, collectively, our moms, our sisters, our girlfriends, our brothers, our, so many of us are so stuck in this social comparison. If this is a government test, we all fail. We all fail, folks. You know, my stepdad doesn't have a Facebook. He's a happy guy. 
He's a happy guy. He goes to work. He uh, he has meaningful conversations with people. He's almost like this Encino man, you know, like he was like you, you, you know the caveman that they that melts and then he just you know the Brendan Fraser movie. He's like a caveman and he just melts one day and then they find him and he's like doesn't know anything. Like that's my stepdad. He doesn't know social media. He just learned YouTube. He thinks he's the first one to discover it. Every time I go home, he's like, oh, check out this video. He has me watch a twenty five minute long James Corden video. But the videos are fine. I mean, that's not my poison. Watching Netflix isn't my poison. My poison is comparing myself to others when, I, when it doesn't serve me. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help me. So how do, we get rid of, how do we get rid of that anxiety? How do we relieve the anxiety and have more mindful detachment? Now, obviously, there's a billion books out there on how to do it. And this is just a conversation between me and you. So I don't have the exact answer. But... Um, how do we get rid of the unnecessary mental processing and all the thoughts that don't stop? Like, how do we stop the overthinking of things? Because that's what anxiety is, right? Not knowing the outcome, not know what's about to happen. And we just, we just, we just you know, compulsively think too much. At, we can't stop ourselves. It restricts the quality of the moment, and that's the problem is you see it in others. You know, you can't go anywhere without seeing 17 people FaceTiming somebody else as they cross the street. I was in Santa Monica yesterday. A girl's on her. She's crossing the street on FaceTime. There's a beautiful sunset happening. And and I'm looking at her and that's taking me out of the moment. And she's not even in the same stratosphere as the beautiful thing that's happening in this earth, this beautiful physical earth we live on. So... It's no surprise that if she's missing a sunset, she better not complain about not having a boyfriend or not. You know what I mean? Like, what else is she missing? I say she. I'm just talking about a random person I saw. What else are we missing by not being in the moment? Are we just missing meeting our new best friend? Or are we missing complimenting, you know, our mom? You know, or like something like like really specific that, that keeps us there. Does anybody want to be, does anyone want to be with a friend that's just on their phone the whole time? Does anyone want to have the girlfriend or the boyfriend that's just caught up in the moment all the time? I'm going to read a, a question that I that we got here. Hold on. This is so, sort of has something to do with being in the moment, but it's also sort of, you know, unique. It says, boyfriend furious because I said it's just a game. So the title pretty much gives it away. Today, I was watching the Bears game, Bears versus Patriots, with my boyfriend. He's 28. Um, we've been dating for one and a half years. He got me into football and it's crazy fun to watch, but I wouldn't say I'm in love with it just yet. First year ever watching, still learning. Anywho, Bears lost and he gets up yelling at the top of his lungs, screaming, cursing, and throwing shit. It started. It startled me a lot. I was shocked. So I say, it's just a game. Oh Lord. He starts pouting, says how rude that was, how rude that was of me. And football is his passion. How dare I? All caps. How dare I? He won't look at me. Tells me he won't watch me with. He won't watch with me anymore. All this crazy talk. I tried talking it out, and eventually he flat out ignored me. Told me to leave, and is now not speaking to me. So yeah, am I wrong? I'm so confused. Okay, first of all, go Patriots. I got my shirt on. New England fan. The uh, the 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 Bears lost to the Patriots in the last second of the game. They were a, a yard. They were a foot away from scoring a touchdown to tie the game. Listen, you're. You're right and you're wrong. Your boyfriend shouldn't stand up, yell, throw shit. But also, uh, you kind of (laughs) uh, minimized his feelings in the moment. So I'm sure he felt very 
defensive. And I wish his Bears had felt more defensive. They would have stopped my Patriots. But the point is, is that, you know, he shouldn't get up and throw things and this and that. Football's a stressful thing as a fan to watch and soccer, basketball, whatever your sport is. But we just have to remember as fans, fans is short for fanatic, right? So you just have to remember that no one's paying you to be a fan. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it can be toxic. And he was very toxic in his response to losing the game. You know, at most, he should have been like, man, fuck this mother. Like, just get it out of your system, but also let him get it out of his system. It sounded like he he went way too far. He's throwing his remote control at the TV. He's punching the dog, this and that. He went way too far. But also, you you sort of um, poked the bear. And I know, Dave, you're victim shaming. No, no, no. He was wrong. But also, it, it's a good highlight of the communication issues you guys have. Like, this was just a moment where he, you know, didn't communicate well. But you also told him, like, dude, chill the fuck out. Look, let him, let him burn off this feeling he has. Talk to him in a neutral mind. Do you know what I mean? That's just not the right time to talk to him. Because now he's bottling up that anger and placing it on you. He's wrong for that. But... uh I think most people that have been in a relationship know that they you can't when someone's when someone's feeling a certain way like you don't know maybe he grew up watching those games with his dad and his dad understood and you don't and you're you're sort of like a, a threat to him now it sounds bogus but also you can't you just can't minimize somebody's feelings like that but also we all have that friend that's super toxic. They're yelling and just it's just negative energy. And that's something he needs to work on. And maybe he doesn't vent in a way that you should. You know what I mean? If if he saves all of his anger for these football games, he's just going to throw a punch at you one day and you're going to you know what I mean? So are you right or wrong? Well, you're right that he shouldn't be such a bitch, <laughs> but you're wrong in the fact that like you think you are in in the right to just try to fix him in the moment he needs to detach from the outcome of that game is what he needs to do he needs to say oh geez you know what they played a good game it wasn't our week today when the patriots lost like i've been lucky enough to watch i don't know seven uh, five patriots super bowls in the last 18 years 19 years and they well they won five they played eight so three times i had to watch them fucking lose and it sucked and this in this past year as a fan watching them lose to the eagles and i know we have eagles fans out there so congratulations the best thing i could do was spin it and say hey i'm happy for these eagle fans they get to experience the coolest feeling in the world rooting on your team and they win football's a cool sport like that right and it sounds stupid to be to use football as an example, but I think a lot of people listening can at least relate to the fact that everyone is cheering on for one common cause. In in you know when when you're a country and evolved and not in any wars that are happening on our home turf or having any aliens abduct us, the best we can all do is cheer for our team. Do you know what I mean? That or you know the other team we're all cheering for is what side of the uh, political aisle we sit on, and that's a whole nother issue that I think we need to be detached from the outcome, while also doing what we can to pursue the life we have. Being detached from the outcome doesn't mean that we sit on our asses and don't do anything about it. It means we do the work, but we uh, don't worry about where it takes us because in the end we can steer this sailboat of ours, but we still are going where the winds want us to go. You know what I mean? So your boyfriend's not talking to you. Yeah, you're going to have to give him a day or two. But obviously, if he can't talk to you because the bear's lost and you called him out on his shit, 
is he gonna is this gonna be a guy you want to really invest time in in the future do you know what i mean um he has stuff he needs to work on and maybe this is an example where you can show him like look i don't i was scared at the way you reacted to that game and i want a man who can really overcome adversities like this so we can face some larger problems but also you you need to find a way to apologize in any fight both parties need to apologize you need to find something you did wrong and if i were you looking at it from the outside looking in hearing your side of the story i would say the apology is look i'll never you say this to him i'll never understand cheering for a team that hard but i respect that you are so invested in your team i just got frightened and i'm a, i'm sorry that i questioned why you were so loyal um i just I'm a little scared about how you, you know what I mean? You make it so that you, you have to apologize for just like getting on him right away, even though he was wrong for the way he reacted. I think we can all agree that makes sense, right folks? Oh boy. So how do we deal with all the uncertainties of life? That's what's getting rid of social anxiety is. It's the uncertainties. It's going to the bar. It's not knowing if a girl's going to reject you, not knowing what's going to happen, but still putting yourself out there. How do we deal with that? I always tell folks, like, look, if you're going to go to the bar, don't sit at the back booth by yourself. Or if you're with two of your buddies, don't go just sit in a booth. Go sit on stools in the middle of the bar. Spread out a little bit. Let people come to you. Be a part of the organism that is dating in person in the flesh be a part of that don't go sit off in the distance where no one's going to rub elbows with you rubbing elbows is all about meeting somebody and being like oh hey what's going on and having that moment and you don't get that by not being you need to be in the sandbox get that sandy vagina um (laughs) you guys with me so how do you detach from the chaos of life you avoid speculation you avoid wondering what the outcome will be i mean it was stand up i mean the anxiety i'm starting to get gray hairs because we know what jokes are funny you know we work towards putting together an act that will make the audience laugh but we don't know if the, like i said before we don't know how, if the sound system's going to cut out i had my comedy festival in rhode island and the cord wasn't working sometimes these cords go you know what i mean you never know till they go and sometimes you have to put the mic in a stand and just shout at an audience like that's just in the moment it's fine there's no anxiety in the moment the anxiety is that day leading up to the show the anxiety is the three hours before the show in the moment you kick in your fight or flight and you just make shit happen but it's all the unknowns and in not and nothing good comes of it Nothing good comes from this speculation. So you need to focus on the reality of the situation. So if you're if you're going out to meet girls and you're going to a bar, the anxiety, you, there's just nothing good comes from, you know, not knowing how it's going to go. You just need to wait till you go there, grab a couple Bud Lights, throw some limes in there because that's delicious. I don't care what you say. And, um, you know, hold your beer up high, smile and just know that you're in a situation where people want to be spoken to and know, read body language. Undesirable circumstances temporary. So when it comes to goal achieving, you need to realize that, and listen, goal achieving can be super discouraging, whatever your goals are. Um, I set goals for this podcast. You know, this year I set a goal that I'd make the podcast profitable. I didn't want to have any more side jobs. I wanted the 30 plus hours a week that I put into all of my side jobs. 
or or more 30 to 50 hours a week i wanted that to be money that i was that i made through the podcast through advertising through uh, increased viewership and and all of that and i'm not you know what i mean like i so my goal in 2018 was to say hey i don't care how i get there but i just want to juice these numbers up so much create a good enough product where people uh, you know, whatever, where I'm just able to do this and focus on my creativity and not the soul sucking side jobs. Does that give me anxiety that I haven't reached that outcome? Well, it gives me frustration. Yes. And that's what I need to work on. I get super frustrated. You know what I mean? Because that's one of my goals for the year. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to get there. You know, I've got um, nine weeks left. But it's just something I think I've really ramped up the product. I think I've really worked better on getting um, better artwork, sound intros, and, you know, but I, I have all these thoughts that I ask. Should I have better guests? Am I not enough? And honestly, doing this by myself, doing this with Tasha, when, and, and when we do have guests, that's what I like to do. I'm at my best when I have a cup of coffee and I can just rant and ramble and talk to you folks. And that might not be what everyone loves the most, and let me know. Let me know. And again, I'm not asking for your approval. I know I know you all know I love my love language, my affirmations. But what 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 episodes do I do that hold on one second. I gotta turn this back on. What episodes do I do that you love the most? Hold on. Hold on, folks. All right, I'm here. I promise. Jesus Christ. There it goes. I had to turn the I had to turn the um camera back on. What episodes do I do that you love the most? What can what am I doing right? Because, you know, if some people have told me that they love the solo episodes, they're super motivational. Well, I mean, I, my my goal is to do the solo episodes every Monday and then have a group episode later in the week every week. And I got the bandwidth. I, we have the ability to do this for those that if you want to listen, it'll be there and if you don't want it, that's fine too. I want to make this a buffet of what you guys could, you know, look for anyway anxiety yeah i feel it all the time i feel it all the time i want you know i see my friends that are engaged fucking prince harry getting having a kid tasha's like the only man in 2016 and i go honey i'm fucking working on it i turn into an italian guy from from the brooklyn fucking hey honey i'm fucking trying here you meet balls it's not easy i set limitations i make excuses some people's podcasts take off. It's and I know to you, the listener, you go, Dave, you're fucking insane about this. And it's like, yeah, that's the anxiety that I cause. Yeah, of course. So how do I, as a case study, become less anxious about it all? Well, unnecessary mental processing. That's what I'm doing. I'm losing the moment. And of course, I'm using this moment right now as an example uh, for what not to do. Goal achieving can be discouraging. There are barriers and they are temporary objects of the imagination. Now, does that mean it's in, in, in imagination that I don't have more listeners? No. But am I doing great? I have, I mean, fuck, like this, this could be like a small, a small city of people. If you took everyone who listens to this podcast and put us on an island somewhere, we would have a fully functioning and very sexy island. I think a lot of you are very attractive. Uh, and I think that attraction comes from y'all being people that uh, um, are just cool as fuck. I've met a, I've met a lot of podca- of our podcast listeners. I think you guys are cool. I think I think you know if we ran into each other at a bar somewhere, we would have a fucking 
cool, fun conversation. I think we think alike. I think we. I think there's a sense of humor here that we want to be better and have all this self improvement, but we don't want to lose out on the the fun of life. Self improvement doesn't always have to be this super spiritual. I want to be the most enlightened version. My version of enlightened is to make y'all laugh without feeling the pain that comes with that. And sometimes that pain that comes with it is making people laugh for the sake of my own sort of well-being. You know, the giving tree, as it were. You know, the Sex Actually podcast giving tree, where we'd, ra- we'd rather cut down our own tree trunk, the center of our organism. We'd rather cut it down so you have a place to sit. And now, when it comes to my humor and being on stage, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like the things that I make funny make me any weaker, but I do feel that there's a solid level of anxiety that I still have that's really like it's just not helping. I look at where I am in my stand-up career and I look at P- I look at the select number of people that have gotten say, you know, a, on Conan O'Brien or Half Hour Comedy Central special or they're passed at a successful club and I think, well, when you when you average out the outliers and you look at the average folk, I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Most podcasts fail after seven episodes. Those are the facts. We're on 307. 307. Or is it 306? I think this is 307. Anyway, the point is, is that I've got a, I've got a bend but don't break mentality. So do my New England Patriots. That's the whole, that's the whole saying for the New England Patriots. Bend but don't break. And um, that's how I feel about my career. Like I, I really, I've never considered quitting. I have thought about like, fuck, should I? I haven't thought if I will, but I thought, should I? Like, should I quit stand-up? Should I quit this podcast? I won't. But I've thought about it in a sense. I'm like, if someone else had the level of success or lack of success that I've had doing something this long, would they have quit? You know? Like, I've done done stand-up now for six years. I think I could have a... I think I could be well on my way to being a doctor by now. I'm a doctor of comedy. Uh... Anyway, I'll tell you what, I don't want to beat this detached mindfulness to a pulp, but I think we all have a lot of work we need to do, and I'd love to ask for some of your advice. Folks out there, how do you detach? How do you detach from the craziness of social media? How do you detach from the craziness of our parents trying to, in in their best intention, make us into something that we're not meant to be? Do you detach, or do you just sort of throw the podcast on and try not to think too much about it. I don't know. Flirting advice. Don't, don't, uh, I think we all need flirting advice, right? Even if we're married and in a relation, a monogamous relationship, I think flirting, um, I don't look at it in a bad way. It's like, oh, what a flirt. Like, no, flirting, I think, is a dance we all play in human interaction, Lady said, I am a 24-year-old female, but I have absolutely zero idea on how to flirt or attract a male for potential dating or long-term relationships. I am attractive, but never had opportunities to expose myself to these situations. Any advice on this topic would be great. Just don't know where else to go to. Listen, women, your job, your job is not to be the one who has to start conversations. Your job, and I know this as a guy, I know I'm biased to it, but it's like, look, men... You know, men, it's, we need to, the, the, the guys that can learn how to approach a woman and say, hey, I love that shirt. 
I love that 1990s Zach Morris shirt you have on. That's fun. Were you born? You you couldn't be a day old older than you know 24. So you just find something to talk to somebody about. That's what flirting is. Flirting is the dance is dancing the line between offending somebody, but but not by doing it in a way that's jovial. Do you know what I mean? So when you think like I don't know how to flirt, it's like do you know how to talk to somebody? Do you know how to not worry about the future and just be in the moment? And be like, dude, you've got the most amazing cowlick I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just, I love your freckles. Just be super specific. I feel like that's a good place to start with flirting. Be super specific. I don't know. What are you drinking? I, I love, I love that. Uh, I love that daiquiri. But like, geez, I get the worst hangovers. How many of those can you drink before you switch to a beer or something? You just, I don't know. You're just asking questions. You're just poking. Flirting's about poking. Now, now the, and I know those are horrible examples, but it's like, that's, I mean, I can't tell you some of the shit that I've said that has led to really fun conversations with people to the point where it's like, my buddy's like, dude, that chick, that girl's going to punch you. And you go, no, no, no. She knows that we're conspiring here. Like I can say something and it's not insulting or degrading. And she knows in the moment through, through, uh, genetics in thousands of years of human interactions she knows i'm not threatening her do you know what i mean and some guys they get nervous and they say something and they come off creepy and what is creepy creepy is anxiety creepy is war is being so worried about how the whole conversation is going to go that you don't blink and you just look at a girl's forehead and you just go i like your shoulders and the girl's like is this guy gonna fucking kill me versus a cool, uncomfortable guy goes up to a girl and goes, yeah, you're a swimmer. What, what are you talking about? You, you, you must swim. Do you swim a lot? Were you a swimmer in high school? You have, you have really, you have like nice broad shoulders. Like don't take, don't, don't take offense to this. You, you just look like you do like a lot of swimming. Like you, you're in great shape, right? And then you, you know what I mean? And the girl goes, no, but thanks. Like, I don't know. Cool. No, I don't really do that, but I preach it. Oh, really? Or like you see a girl, like she walks up and you go, dude, you're definitely, you definitely like dance, right? You're like a, you're like a ballerina. Now, what are you talking about? No, you have like your feet are sort of open the way you walk. And I just, I've, I, you know, I remember growing up, like all the girls, they would look like little ducks crossing the street because their feet, they walked with like open toes and they were kind of like waddle. I feel like my friend Hannah's that way. She's, she like, she like waddles as she walks. Which is, it's cute. It's a, it's cute as a button. It's adorable. It's not an insult. It's just, oh, you must dance. You know, I don't mean like a stripper. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you are, I'm not saying you are, but it's a good workout. But it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, folks, that's how you flirt. You poke the bear. You just talk shit to each other in a way that's non-threatening and you don't worry about the outcome. Flirting is about mindful detachment. It all comes back together. Write in. Let me know. Do you have a? Do you have any questions about flirting? Do you have any tips? I know people like, dude, you got to say this line. No, 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 no. The muscle is more important than the verbiage. The muscle of flirting, folks. I do it with my buddies. Call it flirting. Call it ball bashing. Whatever you want. It's it's you know it sounds kind of like weird to call it flirting, but it's the same shit. Oh, nice nice Hawaiian shirt, Darren. No, no, no. I like it. I didn't know you just got off work at Trader Joe's. It's good. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. You want, you need a lay? Do you need a flower in your head? What do you, it's just bullshitting. He's not offended that I'm making fun of his shirt. Most people appreciate the attention. Are you guys with me? Does this make sense? Sometimes I worry and I go, am I making sense or is this fucking 
prophetic. Is this the is this the real shit? I'm telling you that real shit. Okay, what are good openers on Tinder? That's the next question. I keep matching with um good-looking women, but I always fuck it up because I have zero game due to more than a decade of voluntary social reclusion. First of all, a decade of voluntary social reclusion, just the way you put that is the reason you're not making it with the ladies, but um, you need to subscribe to this podcast. We need to chat. I need to take you under my wing. Uh, some of them look like Instagram models. I've read that just saying, quote-unquote, let's smash works, and I tried it out a couple times but got unmatched. I got told, and that's, again, because you're trying a line, not a muscle. Do you understand what I'm saying by muscle? You're trying a line on a woman. doesn't mean lines don't work, but a line will only work if there's a muscle attached to it. If I go, let's smash, and I do it in a way that's like clearly I'm not saying like let's smash. I don't know. Let me finish this. He goes, I got told that my bio was boring, so I changed it. Again, you're just focusing on the words, not the, you know, the actual joie de vivre. But I think my openers are pretty boring too. Any tips? Yeah, bro. The tip is, look, you're worried about how to cheat the system, okay? You're worried about uh, Tinder in the easy way. You're skirting past the actual social dynamic that you need, and you're trying to do it online. And, and you're probably not ready for that, to be honest, because then you're going to meet the person. You might fool them with, let's smash. And then you get in person and then you go, nice shoulders. And the person goes, um, I need to take a phone call. And then they grab an Uber and leave because they don't want to be cut up into pieces and put into your freezer. So this this voluntary year of social reclusion, I want to know why. Like like right in, sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Why, why do you have a year of voluntary social reclusion? Not that that's a problem. I just don't understand you. And I don't understand your question because good openers on Tinder don't worry about the outcome. Now, look, there might be a good looking guy that says, let's smash. And he finds a chick and, and she goes through his Instagram and goes, oh, dude, he looks kind of fun. But that's because she did her research. And she saw that he's got an Instagram that's full of like cool things and he's got a bunch of friends and he's, or like just even by looking through his bio photos, she goes, oh, he's got friends. He looks kind of cool. He's adventurous. He's petting a goat. This guy looks like fun. Oh, he's on a wine safari. That guy's cool. You know what I mean? Oh, he's got a nice car. Do I care about cars? No, but I want a guy that has a job and it looks like, you know what I mean? Like women have, they have the right to dissect your bio to see if you're a match they don't want to waste their time either and you and you're not there especially with with the way you worded this question you're just not there you're looking for that cheat code you know there is no cheat code it's a muscle and it and it involves detachment so what advice could i really give you in the moment my advice would be and I'm just I'm just taking this from the paragraph you said but my advice would be to work on doing more social activities you might be an introvert. It might not be your thing. Work on doing some intramural sports or go to the gym and, and build a community because it doesn't sound like you have a community. You know, guys giving you advice, just tell them, let's smash. They're not, they don't really give a fuck about you because that's shitty advice. Do you know what I mean? That might be just some advice you read somewhere, that, but it's shitty. Look, you go through a girl's five photos on her thing and you say something witty. That's what you do. And it's an odds game. And you say something witty to them. And it's the same as flirting in person. And the only way that they know you're flirting and not being insulting is maybe you throw in an emoji. You know, throw in an emoji. Say something weird, throw in an emoji. But don't say let's smash. But honestly, if you don't have the bio in, in, the, so, in, in the social currency that shows that you're a guy that like, looks like he'll be fun, 
she might not be into you before you even say anything. And I know like, oh, Dave, how do you need to have a bio that has this social currency that shows your fun, but also not giving a fuck about it? It's like, look, you got to treat social media for what it is. People are going to check up on you, especially if you're going to do the online dating, they're going to do their research too. They're going to see that you, you know, they're going to look at your tagged photos, not just the photos that you post, but what people have tagged you in. That's the most beneficial things. Do you have people that are tagging you in fun photos? Are you doing fun things? It doesn't mean you have to be the center of attention in the alpha male and this and that, but it just means like, if you go whitewater rafting, have a whitewater rafting photo, but also have a photo grabbing a beer with a buddy afterwards. Show that you actually exist in this world in a way that's not just like a guy who says, let's smash. I don't know if that was shitty advice or not, but I think you understand what I'm getting to is that anything that you can attain as easily as saying let's smash isn't worth attaining, Do you know? And if it does work, it's because they did a little research on you and they saw that you're not necessarily a creep. It's almost like me giving you advice to say, let's smash. You'd go, well, Dave, you have a few things going on for yourself here. You've got a podcast empire. You know, your jawline's not horrible. You know, I'm just making shit up. How obvious does a girl need to be to let a guy know she digs him? This is an amazing question. This is like, this is like the reverse question to the last guy asking about flirting. She said, we're both 21 and I've been trying to drop hints, dot, dot, dot. We met up alone for a coffee and it went great, but I'm unsure if he sees it as a friend thing or not. I don't know if he is seeing my signals and ignoring them or is completely oblivious. Let's all say our answer on the count of three. Ignoring them or completely oblivious. Ready? One, two, three. Completely oblivious. He's completely oblivious. Okay. Um, escalating is what needs to happen here. You need to put your hand on his knee. He needs to do it in return. Then you put your hand on his shoulder. Then you sit closer to him. Then you put your hand on the small of his back. I know it sounds crazy, but and, and, and it's, it's much easier to give the woman this advice than the guy because I don't want to tell a guy, like, you just got to grope or you got to escalate. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a consent that happens through mutual, like, now we do this, now we do that. That's how it's worked for millennia that you go from, yeah, get a coffee, but you actively decide to sit next to him, not across from him. You actively decide to make eye contact. Even if he looks away, he might be shy. You know what I mean? This might be a cool guy, but he might be a little spooked or he might be a little, and I say spooked in the sense that he might be intimidated by you. Why would I want a man who's intimidated? I'm sorry. You're beautiful. Do you want a guy who's not intimidated? Do you want a guy that's just so cavalier about you that I'll just drop you for the next thing? L- women should be more interested in guys that are a little intimidated. Be more interested. That means he likes you. The fuck? But I want a man who tra- grabs him and by. Ugh. I don't know. You can't win. No, the guy's thinking. I know you're right, Dave. You can't win. Be detached. Grab him. Grab him by his lower back. Wouldn't that be great if Trump was like that? Dude, you know what you need to do these ladies? You need to slowly escalate. You need to touch them on their lower back. And if they don't reciprocate, take it that it wasn't consent and that they're not into you. Wouldn't that be nice if that's the secret message? Dude, you need to grab them by their pussy. Not good advice. Do you guys understand I'm not on his side when I say that? I hope so. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've, I've talked on the podcast before about grabbing a girl on her, on her vagina. But it came when we were making out after we had touched other body parts. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and then we had sex very shortly thereafter. So it wasn't the, the, uh, the consent. I'm not saying consent is implied. I'm saying uh, sometimes you need to 
And I'm not saying that, like, well, I like I uh, escalated, so I put my dick inside of her. No. There comes a point where, like, when clothes are off, we go, should I grab a condom? Are we going to do this? Like, you start talking about what's next. Would you guys be interested in that episode? Like a, like a talk on, 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 an actual talk on consent where we actually talk to women and men and get, because I feel like this whole thing, like, you need a notarized signature. Like, that's, that's just not how it works in the real life. Am I living in crazy land here? Consent works by saying, do you want to do this? Yeah, should we do this? Should I grab a condom? Are you cool? Are we good? Like, that's it. And that sounds, in, in a lot of instances, you're drunk and, and, you, and you just have, or drunk, you're, you're, you're loose in a sense that you're heated in the moment. You're making out, you're rolling around, your pants come off, you're grinding on each other. Like, there, is, there isn't much of a consent when that happens. A girl jumps on top of you like this and that, you know? There, the, but, but the consent is that you're both actively uh, using your own social dynamics to realize, like, they're into this. And I know what you're thinking, well, that can be misinterpreted. Yeah, if you're a moron and if and you need to know when you know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it sounds it sounds crazy trying to explain this. You need to know when the other person's like, oh fuck, this is you know hot and heavy, and and you're and you're rolling around, and, and I go, should I grab a condom? And she goes, no. And you go, are you sure? But she says, no, 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 no. Just let's just have sex. And then it's just and then, and then oh, she wants to have sex without a condom. And then I need to think, is that something I want to do? And then you go back and forth. And the, the irony there is that if a, woman, if a woman doesn't want to use a condom and the guy says, I think we should grab a condom, the woman's vagina dries up faster than anything you've ever seen in this world. That's the irony. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying the woman decides. And now, uh, you know, for my men's rights activists out there, which I hope, you know, I'm, I don't use that term. Seriously, I'm kidding. But for the guys that go, dude, well, if a man wants to use a condom... The woman should respect that because if it was reverse, if the woman wanted to use a condom, a man should respect that. It's like, yeah, I know, but that's just not how it works. Are you guys with me on that? I I, I, I love when I talk shit like this um, on a solo episode because I'm like, are you guys with me? Are you going, oh, no, Dave, that's not how it works. Women who are listening, write in or leave me a note on Instagram, whatever, if you don't feel like writing, whatever, uh, at D-Neals, D-N-E-A-L-Z, D-Neals. But do, have you ever dated a guy or have you ever hooked up with a guy and you were ready to sort of go bareback mountain raw dog and he was like, and he, and he was the one who was like really wanting to use a condom. I had that happen with a girl once and she was like, fucking condoms suck. And like, it was like sort of a, like, you know, we hadn't dated. It was just like a random night together. And I was like, ah, and I was just in, and at that time in my life, I was way an advocate for using condoms. I don't know. And you know, I was, that's what I wanted to do at that time in my life. I'm not judging people that do or don't want to use them. But, um, she was like, no fucking, I can't have baby babies. And I might this and that she was using all these medical terms. I didn't know. And I was like, look, I just think we should. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like, she got really pissed, but also, you know, had to like knock on her roommate's door to grab a condom. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It just felt weird and funny. Sex is weird folks. Um, a couple more questions. And these all revert back to being detached. Uh, you shouldn't have your condom detached. It has to be fitting snugly. But also, if the girl only has a magnum, try it on first before you say no because you don't think your dick's big enough. Um, that's a very specific and personal story because <laughs> they're the same size. Magnum is uh, magnum might be longer, but I'm pretty sure they're the same size condom, and it's kind of just a marketing ploy. Anyway, this episode not brought to you by Magnum Condoms. Anyone ever tried Magnum, um, the uh, fudgicle? It's like a, it's like a ice cream. Mag- it's called Magnum. Looks really good. Dark chocolate. Uh, that's not a okay. How can I become a more interesting and especially less boring person? So you don't want to just be interesting. You want to be less boring. Okay. And then the person says, "Is this a male or a woman?" Um, 
I think it's a, this is a guy. I'm tired of the pity parties I throw on here, and I realize I want to change myself for the better. Not necessarily to get poon. Well, that would be nice, but it probably isn't the only thing that matters, but just to be more attractive in general. Poon, or however you want to put it, <laughs> uh, is a byproduct of who you are as a person. Uh, we're talking about changing ourselves on the inside, not band-aids, not uh, using terms that uh, let's smash on on Tinder. It's about changing yourself on the inside. So, so you want to be more of an interesting person. What makes your heart rate rise because you enjoy talking about it so much? I'll pause to let you answer this. What makes your heart rate rise because you love talking about it so much? Well, you guys know I like stand-up. I love campers. You know what I love? I love RVs and I love houseboats. I love them. I love gadgets and I love glamping. I love traveling. I love traveling. Oh my gosh, I love meeting new people. This one time I drove across the country and you know what I mean? Like you need to put yourself into... Like I could, dude, I could help you out in two seconds. Email me, sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. What do you like to do? Let's, let's freestyle this. Just get, list some things. You might not know. Well, I like dodgeball, but I don't really like dodgeball. I think I just like hanging out with people and drinking afterwards. Oh, okay. So you like a community, but you also like light physical activity and like light competitiveness. Dope. Cool. Well, why don't we, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that you love? And I'm not saying, I don't want anyone to become something that they're not. I want you to become a higher, more engaged version of what it is that you are. Do you know what I mean? It's important It's important to be authentic. And I think with dating, women especially are really good at sniffing out bullshit. They don't want a guy who has a nice car because he thinks it's going to get him poon. They want a guy who's interested in engineering of cars or in the aesthetic design of cars because that's something when he talks about it, his eyes light up. My lady could give two shits about my stand-up life. And I know it annoys the shit out of her when I, when I have a guest on the podcast and all we do is talk about stand-up. But I'll tell you what, she loves that I have a passion. And I have several passions. And I love that one of her passions is her dog and caring for animals. And um, what's another passion Tasha has? She loves to travel. She loves she loves to experience new things, and she loves the fantasy world of the midi. Like she loves finding a a good book and like really exploring it. Her mind is wild, and I think with introverts, we think of them as quote unquote boring, not interesting people. To use your term, less you want to be less boring, and it's like look, introverts. There's a carnival happening inside their brain. They might not be as expressive. They might have because I, I know this because I I I I, uh, I I identify as both a guy who can be extroverted but also introverted. I can have some headphones in and listen listen to something or be or read a book or or I can uh, just see you know I can be very visual and I can see an advertisement and I can get lost in this moment and I can like my mind can really wander. Now, how does that? How do you? How do you uh, export that? Um, save as dot mov. How do you export who you are on the inside so that others can see? Well, what you don't do is you don't. Uh, it's almost like AA, right? Alcohol is anonymous. Their whole saying is like um, you sort of promote from within, or you just you be the best version of yourself. So people have to ask you, dude, what are you doing differently? You're really, and then you can say, ah, oh, well, I've been doing this, and then 
you know, you don't you don't want to be preachy. You don't want to be a Mormon knocking on everyone's door being like, have you heard the good word? That's not what's going to... You need to be radiant. You need to be the best passionate version of yourself pursuing your life with reckless abandonment. Who the fuck wouldn't want to hang out with you? Whether it be a good friend or a girlfriend or, or, or the woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with traveling around on a nice RV, you know. Staying at Walmart parking lots through the Midwest, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, finding out that you love hunting and making beef jerky, and you start your own beef jerky company. Do you love the food industry? No, but you love beef jerky, and you love. So you're in every store, and next thing you know, be, you know, you went to some saloon in uh, in um, Idaho, and you met the uh, Sam Walton's nephew, and he's like, "Dude, this is great beef jerky," and you go, "Yeah, you know, whatever. We just make it because we love making it." And he goes, "You got to get this in my stores," and you go, "Oh, what kind of store do you have?" And he goes. I got the super Walmarts all over the South. And the next thing you know, you're living your life and then you've got beef jerky sponsored RVs. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if you love this RV comes with a cure and the, you know, you, you hang your steaks in the back and it's salts it and whatever the fuck I'm pulling this shit out of my ass, but you become this, you, you set your life on this trajectory, not worrying about the outcome because you're passionate in living in the moment. And we worry Man, we look too much into the future to miss the opportunities that are right in our fucking face, hitting us in our face. This is unseen force that's there, and we're missing it. You want to live in a city, you got to move to the goddamn city. Do you know what I mean? You got to go to where the fucking shit is. You want to be a country music writer? I don't know. Move to Nashville. That might be a good start. That might be, maybe not. Maybe you don't start there. But what you do, you start writing music. You get really passionate about the experts, the best mu- music music writers that are out there. You go to the Bluebird Cafe and you hear them and you absorb them and you and you rise up to that level because you're surrounding yourself by that excellence. Who wouldn't want to be with you? So look at it as a motivation. Look at, 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 at attracting the best partner as a motivating force for you to get your own shit together. It's so funny how ironic that is. You want to you wanna attract someone beautiful, don't worry about them, worry about you. Any other question? Oh boy, that was a good one. I might have to end on that one. Do we want to get to an hour? It sounds like common sense to me, but I think we have to always remember that. That this detachment that we talk about is not detaching from reality. It's detaching from the expectation of the result. And with dating, with our professional life, we detach from the expectation of the result. Every, and then the thing that comes with this lack of detachment are the limitations I hear from people. Oh, well, I would want to do that, but I got to pay the bills. It's like, bro, fuck, man, I hear you on that. I got side jobs up the asshole. I get so pissed hearing about these comics from the 90s that all got these development deals where they all were given six figures. You know what I mean? They were all like literally given... There was this time period in comedy where network executives didn't know what to do. So they they, they all wanted stand-up comedians. So they'd find a comedian who, who could tell five minutes worth of jokes. Then they'd give them $150,000. So then you would be property of TBS or NBC or whatever the fuck it is. And then and then when they had pilots, they would, they would bring them to you. And then after a year, if they didn't use you for anything, they would release you. But you got to keep the money. And th- those were the network deals they used to get. Today's world, it's so oversaturated with comedians that all we do, like I do, I do open mics 
with comics that have won Last Comic Standing. I shit you not. There are comics with network specials that have been done three half-hour Comedy Central specials that still don't get booked spots because I live in Los Angeles, the center of the entertainment world, and these are all things I can use as limitations or I could say, you know what? How do I best serve myself? I got to pay my bills. Let's not worry about what tomorrow brings. Let's just take care of myself today, do the side jobs I need to do, but try to have the best attitude towards it while I keep writing jokes. They say for comics, it's like the best thing you can do is keep writing jokes. And that's our way of treading water. You keep writing jokes. I wrote a new joke this week. I'll share it with you guys. I love this joke. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't, it might just be for comics. It's stupid. I don't, I'm not like a one-liner guy. I go, I go, uh, <laughs> I'll end on this. Yeah, I'll end on this joke. Get the fuck out of here. I go, I go, yeah, I've been dating my girlfriend for a while and I've learned a lot. Like I just learned this. I didn't, I didn't realize it because she was beautiful, but my chick is uh, retarded. I know I'm not supposed to use that word, so let me rephrase it. So it's okay. Let me rephrase it. My lady is retarded. I think it's funny. I think it's a funny <laughs> Because I take a word I'm not supposed to use and I say, no. I'm, I, anyway, I'm not going to explain it. All right, folks? Maybe I'll use it. Maybe I won't. Anyway, I got a lot to do. I got to go work on it. Uh, TV show today. I'm doing background work. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing background work on a show. I'm going to the Universal lot. And um, I've been doing more of that stuff because like, oh, look, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild. They, they, pay, you, they pay you well just to... Basically, you, get, you, you show up to the set of uh, some TV show. What did I work on last week? I, I, there's, you know, whatever. Let's just call it um, this, uh, uh, Westworld. I worked on Westworld like three years ago. It could have been four years ago at this point. No idea what the show was. But what you do is you show up to set the uh, wardrobe looks at you. They give you clothes to wear. You put it on. And then the assistant director says, all right, you're going to walk f- from this mark to that mark and you hold, hold this file. The props guy gives you a file and then you do that. But you're on set for like, you know, anywhere from eight to 15 hours a day. The longer you're on set, the more ridiculous money they pay you. And it's a chance for, you know, they always have a good espresso machine and they feed you well. And 95% of the time, you're not actually working. You're just sitting down in a holding area. So I, I look at it this way. I say, okay. I'm in the Screen Actors Guild. I get all this nice espresso. I get fed very well. I'm just going to go to set, do what they need me to do, and then when they're not using me, I'm going to take that time where I'm on the clock to write some stand-up, to write some more jokes. And so that, that, that helps. That's my cheat code. That's my fucking holding deal, working my balls off and then taking whatever free time I have to run jokes in my head in my joke book and then try to get on better stages, tell my jokes, and then, um, oh, guess what? I got a show coming up. Let's end on this promotion. I got a show in San Francisco. It's going to probably sell out um, November 10th. I'm performing at The Setup. It's at 222 Hyde Street, H-Y-D-E, Hyde Street. Um, that's November 10th in San Francisco. It's called The Setup. It's a really cool underground place. If any of you are Bay Area folks and want to come out, come hang out. We'll have some beers after. Tasha and I are going to drive up. Uh, if anyone wants to watch our dog. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going to drive up. Go do that show. Yeah, I'm going to drive six hours to go do a 12-minute spot. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm going to be detached from the outcome. And I think that's really what I search is detachment from the outcome. So often, I worry about what, um, what's going to happen. And, and rightfully so to a point, you know, you, you want to set five-year goals. You want to set three-month goals. You want to, you want to have something to shoot for November 10th, 8 p.m. 
the setup. But you also need to say, fuck, whatever. I'm going to do what I think is funny. I'm going to be the best version of myself. I'm going to flirt with this audience. I'm going to pick fun at them. And they're not going to take me too seriously. The thing that I'm proud of is that I've never had someone come up to me after a show and go, I was offended by that joke you told. I've never had that happen because I think the one thing I've been selling is the fact that like, hey, this is a reverence, right? We're all here just to have fun. You know, I'm not saying anything too serious. I'm just, that's, you know, and some comics do and and power to them, but that's not where I'm at right now. We're all here to have fun, right, folks? I appreciate that you guys listen to this podcast. I really do. A lot of you have been around for a long time. You comment on the photos I post. You share with your friends. Um, Huge shout out to all of you on Instagram. If you share this, you know, tag friends, whatever, make an Instagram story, take a screen grab of you listening. I guarantee I will uh, re- uh, share it with my story. You just got to tag me in it. If you share it on Instagram, tag me in it so I can add to my story. I guess that's what the kids are doing these days, right? Anyway, folks, I don't mean to blabber, but that's how people find us. That's how it works. That's the beauty of podcasts. I don't pay for sponsorships. I don't pay for people to shout me out and do any of that shit. If you find me, if you type in a couple keywords, you get this podcast, you go, all right, we're going to give this guy a shot. I appreciate you for giving us a shot. I know, I know I'm detached from this, but I know iTunes is going to feature this soon and a whole new set of people are going to give us a shot. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but for those of you that are out there, this is lifelong, folks. I want you to start coming to shows. I want, I want to build this community right. So anyway, work on being detached. Send in an email, sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what's working. Let me know what you're struggling on. And if you're out there going, Dave, I don't have any passions. Seriously, fucking email me. Let's talk. Because I guarantee, I do this with, with other, my stand-up friends where they go, I don't know what's funny about me. And then you find out that it, you know, some, some, some lady I met, she goes, I, don't, I just don't know what's funny about me. And then like within five minutes of talking, I found out she dated a guy who was the Ronald McDonald clown of um, McDonald's, Texas. He was like the main clown that would travel to all the Texas Ronald McDonald's and then he dumped her. And I go, you're telling me you don't know what's funny about your life and you're fucking a clown? Do you know what I mean? And it, sometimes it takes a little perspective and a little conversation to really know what's working, what's not. So if you don't know what your passions are, And I'm not saying you need to make a billion dollars off your passion. You might have a job that's providing you great um, security and 401k and this and that. But I'm telling you right now, folks, and I'll leave it on this. I am challenging you. If you're out there and you really think that you want to be a poet or write a children's book or an essayist or... Or, or start a podcast. If you really think that's something you want to do and you keep on talking yourself out of it, shame on you. Because this world is too fucking short to set limitations and guard ourselves. Set yourself up for success. Don't worry about the future, but like, let's act on it today. 2019 is right around the corner, folks. It's right around the corner. And, and, and life's not getting any, uh, any younger for us. And I really think you owe it to yourself and your potential audience to start what you want to do and not worry about who's going to be there for you. Do it for you. You know what I mean? That's the episode. See you guys next week. Bye.